Hi, this is Jim. And this is Bax. Check out our podcast, The Step Over, Liberty Ballers Podcast Network, for all of your Sixers' needs. Player analysis, game breakdowns, who would look coolest in a headband, and more. Subscribe to Liberty Ballers Podcast feed on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts, and check out The Step Over, a podcast about Sixers basketball. Mostly. everybody how you doing well that's good welcome to broad street hockey radio that's right bsh radio uh we're coming to you after the snapping of a six game winning streak uh it was fun while it lasted but you know all good things must come to an end my name is bill Matz. i am your director of fun and games for the my god that was a fun way to try to say that (laughs) (laughs) we're we're having a day (laughs) my name is bill matz i am your director of fun and games for the evening uh we have the usual panel here tonight i want to get started right away so i'm going to introduce them first up from theathletic.com charlie o'connor so I'd like to make note that I am so done with this NHL schedule, particularly the Flyers schedule. It felt like every single game over the past month, really over the past month and a half, has been against the Western Conference team. And now, looking at the upcoming schedule, they have every single game until the end of January is against an Eastern Conference team except for one. Like, they just can't possibly do it in any other way other than being totally extreme. And it's funny, we were talking about this before the show, you were saying what it probably was, was that they looked at the NFL and they oh wow, having all these division games at the end of the year is fun, but it's different when it's a 16-game season in football versus an 82-game season. Like, variety is nice, especially when you have to watch your team play 82 times a year. And they're not, there's no variety. It's going to be like... In the end of the year, it's going to be like Devils, Rangers, Penguins, Devils, Rangers, Penguins, Hurricanes, Devils, Rangers, Islanders. Like, Jesus Christ, at least mix it up a little. That's when you just throw in the Blues or the Nashville, like, in the middle of the week after a bunch of games against teams that you see all the time. Love the the Nashville. The Nashville. Love the Nashville. It's a nice break. (laughs) It's like a break from seeing the. But when you just play them all right away, you're like, oh, okay, well, they're done with the Sharks. They're done with the Kings. They're done with the Blues. They were done with the Predators a week into the season. They're done with the Preds. Like, they're done with most of the Central Division, I'm pretty sure, and half the Pacific. Well, you know, it makes our, our checking out the competition series really difficult because for the entire first two months of the season, we're trying to ask questions about teams that we don't know anything about. Yeah. Or like, not enough to really, like, ask in-depth questions. And you just, like, hit up this person a week ago. Yeah. And like, I need you again. 
Are you free on Tuesday yeah, morning? It's it's insane. So it's it's much easier when we're when we can make pointed questions, making fun of teams that we know really well. Yeah. Like like when we do the Penguins. Like how's the Ryan Reeves trade working out for you guys? <laughs> like it's so much better. Did when... you hear he was the best player on the ice for them last night? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like um, oh god, I forgot his name, so the joke is ruined. The uh. guy, the guy in Edmonton. Uh, Connor McDavid? No, the other oh. one. The, the one. Dreisaitl? That... No, the bad one. Larson? <laughs> Brian Strome? Forget it. Strome? Oh, Chris Russell. There, thank that you. Guy. Yeah, there you Jordan Eberle? Jesus. Oh, wait. No, oh, wait. The, the joke was ruined because I'm flustered and couldn't remember a name. My broadcast partner in crime, Stephalicious D. Steph Driver. William, did you know that Saturday is Festivus? I've heard. Saturday is Festivus. Is this true? It is. And uh, we're having a Festivus party. Is it the actual, what is the actual date of like Seinfeld Festivus? The 23rd. The 23rd. Oh, okay. It, yeah, is it actually yeah. is Festivus. Well done, gang. For the so, <laughs> Saturday, September, September. Wow. Saturday, December 23rd. Uh, we're doing a Flyers Festivus. Um, Bullies Pub in Xfinity Live is opening just for us at 6 p.m. And we're going to watch. We're going to do merriment and joy and drinking and also watch the Flyers potentially lose to the Columbus Blue Jackets. No, they'll game. win that game. Well, they might. They actually might. That game starts at 7 p.m. So we will be there at 6 um, there are also drink specials. I believe it's three dollar Miller Lite and, and Coors Light, Coors Light dra- draft, draft and bottles, and, bottles yeah. and four dollar house drinks. Last but certainly not least, happy birthday oh to God. you! Please, please happy birthday to you! I'm happy birthday, <laughs> dear this is a very Hinkle. Slow happy Kelly Hinkle, woo! Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Kelly. All right, so that was a lot of... Uh, I told Steph we were going to do this, and she didn't join me, so I just had to do okay. it myself. I was going to talk sorry. about... You said it was going to be mid-show. You didn't say it was going to be this. Well, so I was going to talk about how I think it's time to put the first line back together, but Steph brought me a present, so let's see what... I, oh my let's. God, it's cheese. It, it's, <laughs> I kind of wish we were on Facebook right now, because this is quite literally the greatest gift I've ever been given in my life. <laughs> It's literally a bag of cheese, folks. <laughs> but there's some meats, too. I and meats. Cheese like, and meats. I'm honestly... Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> really I, could, nice I couldn't get you a cake. Because I know, because I'm a freak show, but Well, this no, is because better. you got your special diet. And love, trust me, I looked into making one, but I would have had to go out and buy too many ingredients. Yeah, you would have had to buy like $75 worth of ingredients. So instead, I got you cheese and meats. Thank you. You're welcome. It's the best gift ever. Outstanding, gang. <laughs> All right, would anyone so, like some cheese? <laughs> yeah. I'm good for that. <laughs> So I want to talk about shot quality, uh, an issue that once again showed itself last night. Uh, The Flyers won the overall shot battle 37-25, thanks largely to five power play opportunities. They had a sixth with like under 10 seconds left or something. Uh, And as Charlie pointed out in his observations today, uh, the Flyers generated only two five-on-five high-danger chances. Now, I'm no strategic genius, but personally, he uh, really isn't. <laughs> is that true? <laughs> but personally, I see a real issue with the way this team runs its offense. Uh, Wayne Gretzky, a guy you might have heard of, maybe has Perhaps. more goals and assists than any player in the history of the game, and it's it's a really wide margin. His 894 goals are 93 more than some guy known as Mr. Hockey, and his. Over 1,900 assists are 700 more than Ron Francis, who is in second place. The dude knew how to generate points. So it stands to reason 
that going where he went would result in goals and assists. Where was Wayne Gretzky's office? Everyone knows behind the net. If you never saw Gretzky play, you still know. You hear on a broadcast, always oh, in Gretzky's office behind the net there. Is that true? <laughs> so why do the Flyers insist on generating their offense from the perimeter? Oh, because Dave Haxtell is a bad coach. <clears throat> the power the play is one thing. Uh, you want to spread the defenders out, create space, exploit the fact you have more players than they do. Makes sense. Cool. But when everything at 5-on-5 five five is coming from the half boards and the points, there's no way to score consistently. When you're in those positions, even if you execute, the defense can stay in position. They can keep themselves between their man and the puck and the net. They can stay in, They don't have to turn around. The goalie doesn't have to turn around. Ever, it's just making it easier for them. Last night, Andrew McDonald had three shots on goal. The same number of shots on goal that Jordan Wheel, Travis Konechny, Sean Couturier, and Wayne Simmons had. Guys who should be pretty important to the offense. Giroux and Patrick, other guys, no shots. Only Voracek and Ghost had more shots on goal than Andrew McDonald. This is not a way to win. There is no... And I realize they just won six in a row. They played a really good team last night. But when you lose ten in a row, and then you win six, and now you lose again, it just seems like they're an average team. And they're an average team partially because they don't utilize their talent. When I see guys like Wheel and Konechny unable to generate offense... They need to be behind the net. Those are the types of players. They're not the biggest guys, but they can win battles and they know how to distribute the puck. Do that. That'd be fun. It's Yeah, it's almost like uh, what we've said before about how when the whole team is garbage, maybe there's a reason. And, and I think we know what it is. I think we do. I think we I, figured I, it out. We've cracked the code, folks. Just because they won a handful of games in a row doesn't mean that this is not a bad team. You know, I mean, if you look like, okay, they went, you know, 0-10, then they go 6-0. and If you even it all out, it's an average team. Yeah, I think they're, yeah. I think they're average. They're a 500 they're a team. team. But I don't think they're anything special. No, that's what I talked about in my post game last night. I went, oh, you know what? They didn't play awful. They didn't play well enough to win. They just aren't nearly as good as the Kings, and so they lost because they didn't get an amazing goaltending performance. It, they are just so frustrating because, Charlie, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't we hear all preseason out of guys like Travis Konechny? Oh, they're really stressing, uh, making plays from behind the net, getting the puck into the slot from the high danger areas. Well, and then they yeah. started the season that way, and we're like, oh, this is good. Yeah. And then they stopped. Well, it, it's I wouldn't say they've stopped because there are games where they do. And then there's games where they don't. Like I think in aggregate, they're better at, they're better at it than they were last year. But they're still not good at it. They've just went from being horrific to being like slightly below average, which still isn't good. It's better, still not good, and a lot of that is just because you know Drew and Voracek are having bounce back years, so they're dragging it up for everyone. But what I think you do see is that when they play against teams, and I guess you know maybe this is just because again they're just not that good of a team. But when they play against teams that that lean towards a defensive oriented style, they invariably get shut down like they played twice against minnesota they got shut out twice 
they played twice against LA. They got shut out once and scored one goal on the power play. Like when they play against teams that focus on defense first, they can't break through that defense. They're incapable of it. And I don't know if that's town or if that's system or if it's both. But the fact of the matter is that like when they play against teams that open it up, they can they, they can create. Or if, even if they play against teams that are like middle of the road in terms of pace and defense to offense. But when they play against defensively oriented teams, they are absolutely incapable of creating anything at 505. And that's my issue is a defensively oriented team, a team that puts all their focus on that. We see it with guys on this team who are defensively oriented, like McDonald. He's not great at it, but it's what he tries to do. Yeah. And Robert Haig. They want to keep you to the outside. Yeah, shoot it from the far hash marks. Cool. Shoot it from the point. Cool. That's how. The, that's the Flyers' strategy. <laughs> so you're doing what they want you to do. How? And it's against John Quick. Like It's one of the better goalies. You're not going to score that way. And what's super frustrating is, to Charlie's point about them not being able to break through defensive teams, this isn't the most talented roster in the world, but they've got the forward talent that someone should be able to break through a defensively oriented system and get something done. So you have to wonder, why is that not happening? Because they don't know how to do it because no one's telling them how to do it? Or are they just not that talented? I'm... I don't believe that it's the latter. I think that it's because whatever system they're being told to play, that system is incapable incapable of breaking through a strong defense. It almost feels like there's, and I, again, this is just like a theory of mine, but it almost feels like the, the players are almost given like an internal clock in in the offensive zone where like, okay, you've got six or seven seconds to create a quality scoring chance. And if you can't do it in that time, then just pass it up to the point and we'll blast away. Like, And against not that good teams, they can do it. They can create some chances. Yeah, they have Claude Drew and Jake Voracek. Yeah. Like, they'll create something against a bad defense. But then when you play against a team that collapses the slot and doesn't let you get there immediately, it's like, all right, just pass it back to Gudis and let him fire away. That's They had a shift a couple games ago. I can't remember which game, but they had like it was a, like a full minute in the offensive zone. Like They changed lines and were still keep applying pressure. And they had a couple of chances, threw a couple pucks through the slot, and then all of a sudden it's on Haig's stick at the right point, and there's no yeah, one in front. That. He's got no Nothing but time and space. Like, the two things you need more than anything. He doesn't step in. He doesn't look to get a pass across the ice, do a slap pass, anything. He just blasts it right into the goalie's chest. I mean, that just may Offensive be- zone penalty, or offensive zone yeah. face-off. That, that, that just may be a rookie, you know, being over-eager. More than anything. Oh, yeah. More than system, but I, I do remember that. But you that see it with like Gudis regularly. Oh, Gudis just... Like, yeah. The minute he touches the puck, he shoots. He's looking to fire one. <laughs> I can't believe he doesn't score more just because of the number of shots he's takes. Well, I think last year, something like he took, like... 170 something uh, unblocked shot attempts at five. This was this was from Corey's data. It took like 170 something unblocked shot attempts, and one of them qualified as scoring <laughs> oh, chance. Jesus, <laughs> like it was, I was good? like by far the most insanely low scoring <laughs> chance percentage in the league. I'm just asking you this out of nowhere. I doubt you 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 have it offhand, Charlie, but he probably does. Do you know <laughs> where I can find number of shots blocked per team? Because the Flyers have to have, and it's oh, part yeah, of yeah. playing on the perimeter. You're kind of, like It's got to get through five guys. 
They have more shots blocked than any team I've ever watched. Yeah, all you'd have to do really is just go to one of the advanced stat sites and subtract the team's like Corsi from, the amount of, from, the amount of Corsi from subtract their their Corsi from the total shots on goal, okay. and then you know how many were were blocked. Yeah, or from the Fenwick. Yeah, because then because that's you want to account for missed. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, it's it's not something I think you can easily look up, but it's easy to figure it that, out just by doing some quick math. And I feel like that's a they just. Teams are looking to block their shots, and they make it easy because they're shooting from the perimeter, which means it's got to get through three guys. I just I don't understand this team's strategy, and I again have been a Hackstall apologist longer than most, and I don't want to put this all on Hack. Like at a certain point, Travis Konechny just has to go. Oh, I'm skating with the puck. I'm going to fake a wraparound and then throw it back, and someone's going to put it in that short side. You see all these short side goals on Brian Elliott. It seems to be the way to beat him. Maybe because every goalie's leaning the other way, it's a way to score on everyone. Just a thought. Like, and you see, like maybe like. You see an aggressive goalie like John Quick last night. He's so fast side to side. Maybe get him going that way and bring it back. I, I, just he's a very, thought. He's very quick. Just a thought. Oh, what's what's super frustrating though is that this was something that we complained about for most of last season. Yes. And when they started this season off at a relatively good result, I think they were better at the start of the season than any of us expected them to be. They were doing exactly what you're wanting them to do. <laughs> yes. They, they were getting were. into the I slot. They work. were playing behind the net, and it was working. They were playing good hockey. They were doing better than we thought they would. Everyone was optimistic as fuck, including me. And if you well, like, if you go back and listen of. to me like earlier this season, I sound like a total idiot in retrospect. But anyway, <clears throat> I just don't understand why you would find a thing that was working better than the thing you were doing before. And then revert back to the thing that wasn't working. It makes no sense to me logically. Now, in their defense, I will say that it's probably easier to execute on like high skill plays in the beginning of the year when yeah. teams are still kind of getting yeah. their feet wet, and you know, maybe some teams are learning new systems, some teams are learning new players. You know, you're getting used to new teammates, things like that. Like it's probably easier at the beginning of the year. But I do agree that there just seems to be like a they revert back to the just blast away from anywhere whenever the going gets tough. And I just wish there was a little bit more uh, patience isn't the right word, but more persistence within the more creative elements of, you know, system and tactics rather than just, well, this isn't working. Go back to shooting for the point. Like, let's maybe work some finesse into our game. It makes and me like, make it part of the system. Maybe. And that's the thing is you look at the makeup of this team outside of Wayne Simmons. There's not a real bang at home kind of guy. So all these outside shots where you're looking for a deflection or a rebound, Unless Simmons is on the ice, it ain't happening. Well, they thought Dale Weiss was going to be that guy. Yeah, well, well, (laughs) we'll get to my buddy Dale in a little bit. But, uh, I mean, uh, he'll come up kind of now. Because they are getting absolutely nothing out of the bottom six. And Steph had this one player in the outline initially. (laughs) So I want to start there. (laughs) Uh, It's with Jordan Wheel, a guy we all had. I don't know about high expectations, but we were all... Hold the fuck up. We all? No. We, Steph Driver did not. Thank we you. as a fan base, maybe not high expectations, but we're excited to see what he could do with a full season. And I think he showed quite a bit of promise and looked like he had the ability to get back to maybe not the scoring pace he was on last year, which was really good, but be a good third line scorer. Be yeah. the, be the ninth, be a really good ninth forward. And he seems to have... Um, Really gotten away from that. What What are we thinking about Jordan Wheel 
So at I was this point. I was at the game with Kelly on Tuesday. Uh, Tuesday? Yeah, sure. it was. <clears throat> um, Leafs. Was that Toronto? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, watching Travis Konechny be everywhere and, and really making things happen on the quote-unquote fourth line, the honeybees. Um, and, and they did. They scored a goal that game. It wasn't Travis Konechny unless it was credited back to him. After. I think it was. It was. I believe it was. But, like... It was his goal, whether yeah. it was yeah. him or not, because he just worked his ass off. And I'm watching Jordan Wheel. I'm just like, this is what I was scared of. Like He is an NHL player, and I think that much is, is clear. He belongs in the NHL, but he's not lighting it up the way that some people expected him to. And, and he's really not keeping up the way that most of us expected him to. And, and it's it's a little disappointing. It is. Uh, I guess my, like, I really thought they had to keep him because he's a guy you need to find out about. Yeah. And I just know if he walked, he would be like, oh, yeah, another Justin Williams, huh? Like, so I didn't <laughs> want that to happen. I'd rather he fail here than succeed elsewhere. But, um, <laughs> like, 17 goals, 35 points was kind of like, okay, that'd be nice from especially a guy who I think power play two and, you know, eighth, ninth forward kind of guy. He's not close to that right now. So I'm gonna I'm gonna take a, a different I guess a different opinion here. I've honestly been not just too dissatisfied with Jordan Wheel. Like obviously I'd ex- I was hoping for him to score more, but like I watch him on a nightly basis. I'm consistently impressed by him. Like especially over the last maybe two weeks or so, I've liked his game. Especially since he's been on this Patrick Weiss wheel line, because he's literally the only person on that line that's doing a damn thing. And all, all respect to Nolan Patrick, but like Dale Weiss is a disaster, and yeah. Nolan Patrick recently, with maybe the exception of the Buffalo game where he was legitimately pretty darn solid, and he's been a disaster. Jordan Wheel is dragging that line around the ice. He's winning puck battles. He's winning races to pucks. He's creating scoring chances. Nobody else in that line is doing it. And uh, yeah, could he be better? Sure, but. I think he's been okay. He's definitely been worth the $1.75 million oh, a year they're paying him. Yeah, it's definitely not a, uh, like, oh, yeah, Dale Weiss, four years, or Andrew McDonald, five mil. Like, what the hell are they giving you kind of thing? Um, and when you are on that line, and we've talked about this before, if the Flyers only have, you know, eight top nine forwards, someone's going to get left out. And right now that's someone's Jordan Wheel. He's got to play with the rookie center who's still getting his feet wet and the Dale Weiss, who's better than one player in this league, and his name's Yuri Laterra. <laughs> That's very true. <laughs> the only good thing about Dale Weiss is that Dave Hackstall has recognized that he sucks too. Yeah, he drew a couple of that penalties last night. That was—I thought he really suckered in the boarding call that he got. He was going into the boards and looked over his shoulder and saw that the guy was like just coming at him and wasn't going to slow up. So he just went in face first the whole way and drew and drew the check from behind. And Way to that take was one, one of, Dale. That was I, one of the best plays he's made all year. I just don't... like The Dale Weiss thing is just so mind-blowing to me because it, we knew when they signed him that he wasn't... like I think Hextall said he can score 20 goals or he said he could score 20 goals and we laughed at that. We're like, yeah, but he's never done it before. Like, I think his career high is like 13. Yeah, like what makes you think he can do that now? He really shouldn't be this bad. No. Like he shouldn't be this horrible and he is consistently on a, on a game-by-game basis, he's consistently one of the worst flyers on the ice. And it's mind-blowing that he's just been this poor. And I, don't, oh, go ahead, Kelly. I'm, I just don't understand why we're letting Matt Reed play tutor to all of the kids up in Allentown when he could be taking Dale Weiss. Because Matt Reed has 
less than a year on his contract, and Dale Weiss has two more years. That's the only reason because yeah. Reed is better than Weiss. It's know, just the I contract. Know, but yeah, that's that's legitimately all it is because Matt Reed is the better player, and I think that the organization knows that. And that's the like, and I, those are the little things you look at when you're told, "All right, well, Limblom's not ready, and we're trying to win now too." So he's just gonna and Vecchioni and Martel, whatever. You're you're told these things, like, yeah, yeah, Sam Moran, uh, he he can't play. Brandon Manning's playing, but all right, this team can't kill penalties. Matt Reed's been a decent enough penalty kill killer for you, and Dale Weiss does nothing. So, like, that's really inconsistent. And it's one of the things that I think is frustrating me personally and the fan base as a whole. Yeah, and I mean, the, the thing, too, with Weiss that just makes it a consistent problem, I think, for the fans in particular, is, like, because Hextall hasn't made many free agent signings, yeah. like, Weiss just becomes the stand-in for, like, oh, God, maybe our GM just can't evaluate free Asian talent because Weiss is one of the few guys he signed to a long-term deal. Yeah, four years. Yeah. And for a guy who been, didn't want to get in commitments. And he's been really bad. Like, at least last year he drove play, and that was passable. Like, he couldn't score, and he wasn't worth his contract. But at least, generally speaking, the Flyers outshot the other team when he was on the ice. My God. This this year, he can't do anything. He can't do anything. He can't do anything. No, he... he He's a you used it perfectly. Disaster. <laughs> he is terrible. He is their worst player, and it boggles my mind yeah. that Yuri Laterra is this bad. <laughs> that he can't beat out one guy. Yeah. Yeah. The the, I, the fact that like I don't totally disagree that we should be in the lineup over Laterra shows how bad Laterra. No, no, that's really the, really bad. That's the thing is uh, again I want Matt Reed, but I'm done with this like you know fantasy land. The guys I want are going to play. Yeah. They're not. So, so I have to go on what they're giving me. And Weiss is probably better in Laterra, and he's legitimately their worst skater on a nightly basis. So here's the thing though, like we spent a lot of time talking about how Andrew McDonald isn't playing hockey because Andrew McDonald has a fat contract. Andrew McDonald is playing hockey because the team thinks he's good at playing hockey. So I don't understand what benefit there is of playing Dale Weiss just because he's got two years left on his contract. I think it's just because yeah. they you can't, like, I guess you can, but it's hard to just bury a guy who's got two more years left on his deal. Like, you can bury Matt Reed because you know, you're not going to, there, there's no trade value there and he's gone no. at the end of the year. So it's like, whatever, you know. He's not part of the future. Dale Weiss, I think there's still maybe some hope that, like, well, maybe next year he has a bounce back year. Oh. But he got he's got two more years left on his deal, and I guess they figure, well, I'm, we'll we'll give him another shot. Maybe he figures this out, and if we just give up on him now, then we gave him no chance to figure it out. I just don't know how he's going to figure it out See, at this point. I think the difference between the two of them is that Dale Weiss has been scratched more than once, and Dale Weiss is getting six minutes of ice time a night. Oh yeah, between McDonald, well, yeah. Andrew McDonald yeah. is getting twenty plus minutes well, a night. Yeah, so fair. like they do think that he's good, I was, and I think that it's pretty evident that they know that Dale Weiss is. I was not. just going to yeah, say, yeah, I was more talking about Reed versus Weiss. No, yeah. yeah, I was just going to say McDonald. <laughs> Or Weiss is so bad that people like don't even care about McDonald anymore. He's the least of my worries. I'm like, yeah, Andrew McDonald, whatever. You're over here. You're playing with Provorov. He'll take care of you. Like, there's no one good enough to take care of Dale Weiss except for my theory. Put him with Giroux and Couturier. It's the only way That's, to survive. Oh God! Let's See, they, only they didn't hear you're crazy because oh, it was on yelling about right. sports, and they don't listen to yelling <laughs> right, about sports. Right, right. Um, I'm watching. I'm watching uh, the Caps the other night, and it was the night uh, Tom Wilson oh, had four yeah, points. Yeah, yeah. And I'm watching this, and he's playing with Backstrom and Ovechkin, and I'm thinking. This is what they need to do with Dale Weiss. They turned Tom Wilson into a player by just putting him with two really good players. 
put Weiss with Couturier and Drew, let them drag his corpse around, and then the other lines will be better automatically because none of them feature Dale Weiss. (laughs) So, I told you that you were crazy last week. I'm going to tell you that you're crazy now. No. I don't, but also, like, I want... I want a rotation at that right wing spot. I want Konechny getting some time there. I guess Simmons is the natural fit, but I think they need more of a playmaker. Well, then, there then what happens? Simmons. What happens when Giroux and Voracek, or you said Couturier and Giroux? Couturier and Giroux. Well, what happens when they stop producing because you keep putting them with shit line mates? Then what do you do? I, you know, I mean, the, you're you're doing this on the hope and the wish that Couturier and Giroux are good enough to continue sustainable, solid play. But if you put them with with literal horseshit, they like they're not they're not going to be able they're not going to be able to. They have each other. They're not going to be able to make sure they're always out there with Ghost or Proveroff and just kind of. I, mean, I don't even know. like you know what. I, if you want, if you want to try it, whatever. <laughs> I, I guess I guess Weiss was okay at the end of the year yeah! with, with Couturier and exactly. Shen. So like you're trying to replicate that idea. I, I just you know what I think the and, and this is something that oh, I always go back to when I just go into like the irrational side of me like there's a part of me that just wants players to be rewarded for what they've done on the ice and the idea of rewarding Dale Weiss for his awful play by elevating him to the first line just really rubs me the wrong was my same problem with the Neuver contract like that might not have been an awful contract but like you don't reward a guy who literally has the worst save percentage in hockey with a two-year contract that's a raise you don't reward Dale Weiss for awful awful hockey by putting him with maybe your two best players yeah I know it just it makes me sick I know. It's listen, it's not a conventional idea. <laughs> so I'm fully willing to admit that much. All right, so since we're talking about this this top line, just to take it back to my hot take that I didn't have because I wanted to talk about the cheese. Should we put the, <laughs> should we put the the top line back together? I feel like we should. I wouldn't be opposed to it. I I recommended they start maybe don't put it back together all the way, but like they should have, in my opinion, they should have put it back together in the third period last night. Oh, yeah. When the, you're trailing by a goal and just stack everyone. The Penguins do it all the time with yeah. Crosby and Malkin. You know, that you stack your best players and you say, all right, go get them, guys. We're going to give you a ton of ice time. Try to score a goal. It, the fact that I think Haxel did it for one shift in, uh, in the third and then that was it. To me, that just makes too much sense. But it, putting it back together, like, I wouldn't hate it. They they got some wins. They're off the schneid with this losing streak. Yeah, sure. Why not? Yeah, I, especially you, just because you know it works. Yeah. You can always go back to it. Yeah. I, I They had to break it up just because outside of them, no one well, was no. doing anything. Well, it was like outside of firing yeah. the coach, there was nothing else no, they could yeah. do to shake that, up the that team. Yeah, it. I was totally fine with them breaking it up when they did, and they got Simmons going, which I think was very important to do. But now that he's going... Okay, now he can maybe he can now get some of the other guys going since, as you said, we're getting absolutely nothing from That's, the bottom six. Uh, like to see every night, Konechny had like create a couple of scoring chances with like eight minutes of ice time. All right, I get maybe you can't play him every shift because with Couturier because Couturier is going to be up against number one centers, but put him out there in a couple of situations where maybe it makes some sense. Like, he's really good. Like, Konechny has some skill and has some things that you could better utilize, and I just have to believe it would put some pressure on defenses for more than eight minutes a game. Like, I get yeah. that he isn't a complete player at this point, and maybe limiting his minutes and limiting his responsibilities is the best way to go about things, but 
Give him a couple opportunities a game to not be out there with third and fourth liners. Well, this is where you go back to the the, the debate we had earlier with regards to you know being too conservative offensively and whatnot. And like I understand the argument that Travis Konechny, because Travis Konechny from an offensive standpoint stylistically probably is the best person to best replicate what Jake Voracek brought yeah. to that top line. He doesn't control the puck as well as Voracek. He's not as big. But in terms of speed and skill, the closest thing you're going to get to Jake Voracek in terms of replicating what that top line did with Jake Voracek. The problem is is that Konechny isn't that good defensively, and you're losing defensive. You're, you're, you're making that line weaker defensively, and they're going to be getting matchups against top line, so it's a risk. At the same time, this is sort of what it gets down to with defense versus offense. You put Konechny on that line, you're probably going to create more. You're probably going to give up more, but you're probably going to create more. And is that trade-off... like? If, if every time if every decision you're making when it's like do we want defense or offense if every decision you're making is leaning towards we want defense you're not going to get offense you're going to be on defense a lot yeah well it's just like you're you're going to end up trying to win two to one games yeah and maybe the maybe the solution here is to take some more risks and put players who aren't that great defensively in bigger situations because and hope that they can outweigh their flaws with their offense I because would they're really, not making those decisions now yeah I mean I would really like to see this particularly because this year, at least, we have a goalie that we can trust a bit in Brian Elliott. And there was a lot of shit talking on him after the Kings game because he didn't have a particularly strong game. But on the whole, even over the course of the losing streak, he's been pretty solid. And if you can trust him to make saves, and I think that at this point we can, then I think it's fine to play a little bit more run and gun, try to score more goals, and win games that way rather than trying to win a boring 2-1 trap game because you're not going to do that. And that's... uh, Hack's first year's coach, I think they played a more open style, and it paid off. You had you had Ghost doing his thing, and you, you scored a decent number of goals. And I think that's and why then, we were also on board yeah. with Hack at the and beginning. And then a month into last season, all of a sudden, couldn't buy a save. We have to go conservative because every time we give up a chance the other way, it's in the back of the net. All right, you made that decision. The defense is obviously better now. The goaltending is obviously better now. Whenever they play high-event hockey, they seem to be a lot better of a team. Just uh, e- even the Pittsburgh game where you know they gave up 50-some shots. They hit five posts and lost by a goal. Like... Maybe, and that's against Pittsburgh. No, they're not playing great hockey right now, but player for player, they are much better than the Flyers. So I, I just don't understand the the tactics as a whole. Since you brought up Brian Elliott, badass motherfucker Brian Elliott, <laughs> I guess we can get into him now. Uh, going into the Kings game, he'd allowed two or fewer goals in six straight but his last game off was 11-28 versus San Jose, and that was the second half of the back-to-backs. That was, the first one was that Pittsburgh game I, I referenced. He started eight games in the last 16 days. He has started four games in the last seven days. We need a backup goalie bad, huh? Yeah, because they're just not going to play Alex Lyon unless Brian Elliott falls over and dies. Like, they're absolutely not going to give him a start. So until Neuvert is back, you know, Brian Elliott's playing every game. So I was at practice today, and Neuver did have his first full practice with the okay. team. He, uh, unsurprisingly, like hockey players do, that he didn't give any information as to when he's going to be back, but it does seem like he will be back soon. Now, what is when is soon? Is he going to be activated to, for tomorrow's game? Will he be activated for the two games to conclude this you know, pre-Christmas run? It seems like he's close. I don't know if he'll even get a start, though. Like in this this three game stretch, are they just going to continue to ride Elliot? And 
one thing that I found interesting about Elliot's comments after the game last night is he was specifically asked, like, do you need a break? And a lot of times when goalies get that question, they'll be very you know, upfront and basically say, no, I, I love to play. Like, give me all the starts. I can take it. You know, I'm never going to turn away the net. Elliot kind of, you know, hedged his bet. He was like, well, it's up to the coach. And it's like, <laughs> like that, I, I definitely took that to mean like, yeah, I'm a little. I'm so tired. I'm a Help tired. Me. Give me a couple days off. <laughs> it, showed, it showed last night. I saw a goalie, and this is something I've noticed with him before. But he started 25 of the Flyers' 33 games, and he has a relief appearance. So yeah. he's really basically played the whole season. Um, his mechanics seem to get a little Briz-ish. The way he holds his arms, the way he lets in armpit goals and the short side over the glove. I just see a goalie who's a little not I don't I thought Briz was just lazy. I'm just seeing <laughs> no, I've just never seen a guy who just held his arm like it was it was like a men's league goalie. He was like, I'm done. Like I, I'm not saying that about Brian Elliott. I'm just he looks a little tired to me. And I, like he's thirty three. I didn't expect him to come in and start sixty five games like he's on pace for. Yeah, it's I certainly didn't expect him to start this many games, especially since they were so vocally about the tandem in the offseason. But it became clear really quickly yep. that he's just way better than Michael Neuvert, who actually sucks and shouldn't have been signed for two years. So I wondered... Preach! <laughs> I wondered if maybe they'll bring up Tokarski, because at least he's got some... He's got well, some NHL experience, and then I looked at his numbers... Not good! And they are identical to Alex <laughs> yeah. Lyon. If you're not, not going to give a start to Alex Lyon, you're not going to give a start to, to, to Dustin Tokarski. And this is, this is something that, that's been Haxall's MO since he got here. Like, when... When one of the goalies goes down, and invariably it's been Neuver because he always gets hurt, like they would call up <laughs> Anthony Stolarz, and Anthony Stolarz would sit for three weeks, and then he'd run Mason to the ground. Like, like and then Haxel, Mason would get hurt, and then Neuver, and then would, Neuver do it. would come back, yeah. and then the then Stolarz would come up and again sit for two weeks. Like, yeah. it's clear that Dave Haxall does not have confidence in young goalies. Like he just he just figures, well, when one of my two tandem goalies is out, I'm just going to ride the guy who's who's still healthy and the kid can sit around and practice with the team and that's great for him but he ain't playing which like holy shit if that's really his attitude that's going to be a real problem for us in two years when carter hart is here and he's a very young goaltender who's also apparently jesus you know who will not be here in two years (laughs) well here's hoping stephanie (laughs) i mean but that's it like like you said we've seen this play out before with mason and neuvert um it didn't work then, <laughs> and now it looks like it might not work. Like, there's a back-to-back right before the Christmas break, I guess because they have off for the holiday. Maybe you ride Elliot all the way you through. You would think but- if Neuvert's healthy, he gets one of those games, but I, I don't know. Yeah. I really don't know. Like if they if they lose the uh, the Buffalo game, does Haxall say, well, we got to win this last game, so Elliot, you're going back out there. Like <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know what will happen. Uh, do we know anything about this John Muse character? Never heard of him. Uh, he's with the Phantoms. He's played like three games and he's been okay. I have no idea who that is. Yeah, me neither. I okay. just looked up their he's stats the guy today. They brought up from, did they bring him up from Reading? He might be from the ECHL. ECHL yeah. yeah. Well, they're just... The Phantoms right now are like ravaged by injury. Yeah. Not only mm-hmm. because the Flyers have... T- obviously, the Flyers have all who's functioning as a seven and they have Lion. Like, you have Myers and Moran are out. Vecchioni's out. Vorobiov's out. Like they have five or six or seven guys who are staples in their lineup who are just not 
able to play right now for one reason or another. And they're just calling guys up from the CA at the ECHL like crazy because they don't have any other choice. And there's the good for their to their credit, they're still winning. Which yeah, is, I'm pretty which sure cool. like Nick Luco got some games. Oh, like, that guy. <laughs> yeah. oh, guys we just never thought like, okay, yeah, they just drafted him because like, you know. Look at his I, well, I mean, everyone knows yeah. why they drafted yeah, him. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I, I get it. It's like, was he plays dad, in the AHL. Was his dad running the team when he was drafted? Yeah, like Comcast back then. Uh, he was like, I, I told them not to draft him, and they still did. Like, yeah, <laughs> right. Um, so, does it surprise you they haven't made a move for a goalie? Because it came well, out. Were like, all those rumors? What was it, like a, a week or two ago? They talked about Neuvert, like they're sick of Neuvert's injury I think it history. It was just last week. Okay. Yeah, it was, yeah, it was and, pretty recent. Yeah, the Robin Laner thing that got hot for like three days and then just went away to nowhere. And then there was the rumor that. Uh, that for some reason, Michael Neuvert, they were sick of Michael Neuvert's injuries. Like, right. wow, yeah, that, yeah. who could have seen that coming? Yeah, nobody. <laughs> Why would you have re-signed the guy that has an extensive injury history and hasn't played over yeah. 35 games in a season since the lockout? Like, why would you do that? I, you know. Dumb, because dumb. They thought he was a good backup. Dumb. <laughs> I'll never forget when I did one of Bill's post games and someone argued with me about saying that Neuvert was definitely going to get hurt this year. Like, what evidence do you have that that's going to happen? I'm like, mm, his entire career? <laughs> like maybe, I it was, say, maybe his entire career. If there's one thing I've learned from watching the extensive amount of sports I have in my life, it's that guys who get hurt all the time get hurt all the Keep time. Keep getting hurt. Yeah. It's just what happens. Like, wow. Girl ball call. Whenever yeah, you we're used to say that, I'd him. be like, nah. But yeah. now I'm starting just, to think you might be on something. Goes. Uh, yeah. Speaking of traits... This Yuri Laterra stuff's fun, huh? I mean, Ooh, I'm into it. I mean, I don't know who would take him. He's the worst <laughs> player. He can't beat out Dale Weiss. <laughs> that, yeah. I wouldn't even need, if I was another GM, I wouldn't even need to see tape of Laterra. I would look at the Flyers and watch Weiss and be like, they've decided he's much better than Yuri Laterra. I would get Pete on the phone. Call, call old Pete up in Edmonton. <laughs> see if maybe he wants size. You know, a sizable, gritty size. forward. Um, can't they waive him? Do they save any money by waving him? Yeah, I mean, they'd save about a mil. Yeah, that's not enough. But, Four points. Se- How the hell did he get that money? Because he was good when he first, like, in retrospect, he probably was never good. He was just yeah. a creation of Vladimir Tarasenko. Yes. But at least from a production standpoint, he was pretty good when he came over from Finland. And then he got that contract, and then he proceeded to completely go in the toilet because I guess Vladimir Tarasenko, he just got too heavy for Vladimir Tarasenko to carry around the ice. <laughs> All that money was weighing him down. <laughs> Yeah, it was in uh, it was in Pierre LeBrun's notebook that they're looking to they're trying to shop Laterra. The Flyers can obviously eat some cash. They have that. Uh, they've got some cap space, so they can throw that in there. Uh, I mean, you to have me, to, yeah. right? You have yeah. you, you don't you have eleven forwards right now. You, <laughs> like, <laughs> Weiss is terrible, and he's only better than a guy you refuse to play in Laterra. Yeah. I, this to me was interesting, not because I'm expecting Yuri Laterra to get traded anytime soon, because I just don't know, as we said, I just don't know who would take him. But it was interesting on a couple levels. Number one, I read this article to basically mean that this was like Ron Hextall called up Pierre Lebrun and was okay. like, hey, get the word out, though. If anybody's interested in this guy, we'll trade him. <laughs> now, For not, literally anything. Yeah. Help not to us. say it's going to happen, but it's interesting to that standpoint because I suspect this is coming straight from the Flyers front office. Secondly, it, it does it sends a message, at least to me, that the Flyers have a couple players, Oscar Limblom being the number one guy, who are pretty darn close to the NHL playing for the Phantoms right now. And 
the easiest way to get one of those guys up is to jettison a vet who is clearly not part of the future. And Yuri Laterra, like, unless he— Was never part of the future. Yeah, but, like, uh, I think there was a hope that he was going to be passable. Now I'd be shocked if—like, if the Flyers keep him, I'd be shocked if he doesn't get bought out at the end of the year. Like, that, to Mm -hmm. me, is just going to happen if he stays. But the fact that, you know, if you assume that this was a case of the Flyers getting the word out that Yuri Laterra is now available— then it leads you to believe, okay, well, why are they trying to get... Like, they could easily just park Yuri Laterra in the press box for the rest of the year. Why are they trying to move him? They don't really have any loyalty to him. It's not like they're trying to move him because he deserves another shot. Like, what do they care? To me, it's that they're trying to move and they're hoping they can move him because one of those kids is getting close. One or more of those kids is getting close and they want the roster spot so he can jump up. God, I want to believe that. Yeah. Like, I think if they waive him, he wouldn't even crack the Phantoms roster. <laughs> <laughs> like, I really don't think that he would, even with the yeah. injury problems that they're having. No, forget, like, forget the prospects. I'm talking, like, Verone, Knight, like, those guys. Better than Letera and Weiss. <laughs> well, yeah. yeah. Um, but if Hextall has one specialty... It's moving guys like Yuri Laterra, guys making way too much money who are no longer useful, and somehow he extracts value for them. I'll take a third round pick for Yuri Laterra. I would take literally anything for Yuri Laterra. <laughs> would you take Chris Russell? Yes. Mm, <laughs> slow player? down. What did they sign him for? I don't know. He's got a few more years left. A lot of money, right? Uh, here, okay, can I, can I go on a rant here? Yes. Because one thing that, like, I, I posted oh a, I posted my mailbag on Friday. Someone someone asked a really good question. It was basically, do you think the Flyers can or, or should spend in free agency in 2018? So I was breaking down no. the Flyers cap, and someone responded to that with a question of like, well, don't you think they could like with this cap space they could you know take basically do like what uh, what Carolina did by taking Kruger to get uh, to get uh, Teravainen, basically like taking a bad contract to good a good contract. And I was like, you know what? I'm sick of this. I'm so sick of taking bad players to get draft picks or good players. I'm done with it. Let's stop making our team worse Mm -hmm. just to get something that might be good in the future. Like... I get it. I I got it this past these past couple of years. Like it makes some sense to a degree, but like no, I'm done with it. No more of this. Like give me dead weight because what we're seeing is that by having that dead weight on the team, then a lot of times that dead weight ends up getting put with players who do matter. Yeah, and then it's harder to evaluate them because you've got a Dale Weiss on Nolan Patrick's wing. Yeah, how is Nolan Patrick supposed to get better playing with the worst player in the team? Yeah, like I, I, like, like stop. Let's let's stop this idea of like well we can just take on a crappy contract to get a first round pick like I I love first round picks they're awesome I don't want any more crappy players on this team let's start bringing good players on this team there aren't there isn't room for the guys that they have now the high level prospects that they have now yeah I'm I'm done with this am I allowed to be worried about Nolan Patrick yes no no it's it's like 25 games let me ask this then if Nolan Patrick's ceiling ends up being JVR are we happy about that yes okay I mean I said I was fine with that in the uh Remember, remember, didn't I? This was another one of my my rare rants where I ranted about how actually JVR is good, and I was annoyed that everyone hated him. So yeah, if, if he becomes JVR, I'm fine with that. Okay, <laughs> Kelly, I can't wait for your I hate JVR rant for <laughs> um, for our special episode next week. <laughs> I I am not worried about Nolan Patrick's long term potential. However, 
I wish he was giving them a little bit more. You expected more, right? I That's where I am. I expected a little bit more. I expected more than nothing, which is what he's given them. For a guy who was the consensus number overall one number one for many, many years before he even became that. And I get all the, I get the injury. I yeah. get he's 19. I mean, coming off the surgery that hindered Ghost and Giroux no, last year. Same. Was it the same one? It was similar, but not because... Padre had the hernia, Drew had and Ghost had the hernia plus hip. But the hip, hip yeah. So similar but not exact. The, I get. But still, like come come on, guys. No, I, I'm not I saying I, I don't said. like him or I want him to go away or something. I'm just saying that I sometimes I feel a little bit I just I don't worry saying. about his long-term potential. No. I assume he's going to grow into a real nice second center. Um right now, I wish he was giving them more than nothing. That's all. That's but I all. think that we all More expected we were getting the Claude Giroux replacement. And if he ends up being a nice number two center, he's not the Claude Giroux Well, no, we have Sean Couturier yeah. instead. Yeah. Well, yes, yeah. that's true. I, and I always forget that Sean Couturier is still a child because he's been here forever. Yeah, he's, yeah. He just, just turned, turned 25. Just turned 25, right? yeah, yeah. His birthday was a couple days ago. Yeah. Um, so I wanted to get to this question. It was posed to us. It was posed to all four of us on Twitter by listener Sean Moore at Sean underscore R underscore Moore. Uh, Hello, Sean underscore R underscore Moore. 4S45. <laughs> four, four uh, no, that was because I linked to the tweet. And it was oh, I get it. 45 so it's just seconds. the Sean R. Moore. I get yeah. it. I get it. <laughs> oh, boy. Uh, I, know how, I know how this works. So he said potential <laughs> potential topic for the four of us for, uh, for this podcast, Jake first Simmer. Who's more important to the team? Who's objectively better? Potential trades involving both, even though one's more movable than the other, etc. Uh, so I just put down some numbers comparing the two, their ages, their production, blah, 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 their cap hits. So I, I, mean, I have a very, very clear opinion on this, but I'll let you guys start. Oh, I have a clear one, too. So even though looking at the numbers, um, Simmer has more goals and Jake has more assists. In my mind, if you ask me this question, instantly, Jake is more important to the team and he is also objectively better. Yes. That, like, it's not even a close question. And if you ask me, gun to my head, who do I have to choose to be on this team? I'm taking Jake. I love Wayne Simmons so like damn much. Uh, but it's fairly obvious, especially at this point, that Jake Voracek, whatever line he's on, becomes so much better. Yeah. And Wayne Simmons, while he plays a very specific role and he's absolutely a nuisance in front of the net, does a lot of things well, all the intangibles that we love about him, he needs a playmaking center. And even with Couturier and Giroux, it's not like he's lighting it up still. He Let- still isn't doing a ton and he's with, you know, quote unquote, the top line. Let's um, let me just go through some of these numbers here. So Wayne Simmons, 480 games played. Jake Voracek, 478 games played. So even. Wayne Simmons, 173 goals. And Jake Voracek, 124 goals. So Simmons wins that one. Mm-hmm. But not not by... not by. I, I mean, it's a lot, but it's... I mean, 40 goals over... I mean, it's, it's, it's not a shit ton. However, we get into the assist category. Wayne Simmons, 151 assists. Jake Voracek, 271 assists. Like, that's where Jake takes the 120 points above Wayne Simmons. So even if we were just looking at points, Jake Voracek wins. And then we go to penalty minutes, uh, 667 for Wayne Simmons, 289 for Jake Voracek. Now, 
for me, if you would ask me without having these numbers in front of me, I would have said they're pretty much even. They're just different types of players. Um, yeah. You know, Wayne Simmons is he's a power play specialist. He's gritty, but he's going to break down a lot quicker than Jake Voracek is going to. Jake Voracek is going to be able to be really strong in the puck and drive play. Hey, <laughs> I, I channeled Charlie for that one for, <laughs> for a lot of years into his 30s. That's and the last thing you lose is your hands. You'll have when your legs go and everything, you will still be able to yeah. handle the puck. And Jake does that well. Look at Yager. He, he moves like yep. a glacier out there, but he can still dish it to the slot like Voracek does. Yeah. So just in terms of, of those handful of things, I, I'm Jake Voracek. Yeah. I, I mean, to me, it's it's like. The, these players aren't even on the same realm. Like Jake Voracek is in my, and I'm, I'm a huge Jake Voracek fan. I was very concerned last year because it was the first time I was seeing cracks in Jake Voracek. Jake Voracek is back this year. Jake this Voracek year, is one of the. I mean, I would I would put him as one of the top twenty best forwards in hockey. And when you look at the numbers this year, eight goals, thirty three assists. Uh, his thirty three assists are the most in hockey. Uh, his forty one points lead the team, and they are third in the league behind Stamkos and Kucherov, who play together. And yeah. they're kind of good. Yeah, and they're, they're, they're pretty solid. They're the best yeah. line. They're one of the two or three best lines in hockey. Yeah, I have I have a three thousand word article coming out hopefully tomorrow on the Athletic that is uh, basically me praising the shit out of Jake. Ford. And I was looking at I was looking at some of Voracek's franchise ranks. I always forget like how long the uh, that class the the Shen he's gone now, but like the Couturier, the Simmons, and the uh, and the Voracek have been here yeah. since you know all of the trades that brought him here. Um, Voracek now 20th all-time uh, Flyers points. He moved ahead of Dave Poulin with his goal last night, uh, and he's one behind Desjardins for 19th. Eighth all-time assists as a Flyer, one behind Murray Craven for 17th. So y- you're going to have, like, in a couple of years, scoring numbers-wise, like a top-10 all-time Flyer here in Jake Voracek. Uh, Simmons is up there in goals. Uh, what is he, 17th all-time in goals, 26th in points. Uh, again, specialized player. I love Wayne Simmons. In in a perfect world, I would love to keep Wayne Simmons, but when you look at it, oh man, he's going to get the $6 million. I really thought that they could keep it under $6 mil, but it's going to be six. No. It's no. going to be six for 36 and he deserves it. And That's yeah. the thing. Like, I'm, I'm going to be super, super happy for him to get paid. I just don't. And want he'll it be to getting be paid here. in after his age thirty season, right? Yeah, it's going to be thirty one to thirty seven at six mil a year. Yeah, so which good for him? He's yeah, earned the shit out great. of it, but Go I just don't want it. I don't want it here. I, I, yeah, I, it kills me because I love him. Yeah. To yeah. me, the more interesting question here is is less who is better because I think that's clearly Voracek yeah. is a better all around player than Wayne Simmons. To me, the more in- intriguing question is who has more trade value at the moment. Because while Voracek is absolutely a better player... Who could afford him? He's got an $8 million cap hit for the next seven, what, six, seven years? Signed through 20... 2023-24. Doesn't even sound like a real year. Whereas... Simmons, granted, he has less years on his deal, so in a sense, that makes him less. That makes him less valuable. It also means that there's a finite end to his contract, and he's cheaper, a lot cheaper. Yeah. So it's like Voracek is more of an impact player, but I feel like his market is a little uh, is a little limited. Whereas Simmons, if you say I'm trading Wayne Simmons, 
30 teams are calling you. Oh my yes. God, immediately. Yeah. And you could probably extract some pretty good future value from a team who's looking to make a run this year or next year. Yeah. And a, a team who really values intangibles, you could straight rip off. Seriously. And again, I love Wayne Simmons, but like value for him, like it would almost be impossible at his salary to replace Voracek with the same plot. Like, no. There's no way. Yeah. You could replace Wayne Simmons. And then some. See, that—that's the hard part, though, with Simmons. Like, I'm on board with the with the idea of trading Wayne Simmons because I don't think he fits the Flyers' timeline. Wayne Simmons is a very unique talent. Oh, absolutely. In that I, they, with maybe the exception, the only guy who I think is comparable to Wayne Simmons is Anders Lee in in the Islanders. Like, but aside from him. I don't think there's anybody else in the league that is anywhere near as good in front of the net on the power play. And, like, you can say he's a power play specialist, as Steph said, and Steph's not wrong. But, like, you score a lot of goals on the power play, so it's a big no, part of the game. And it's it's something... <laughs> oh, God, I am Uh-oh. triggered. I know. I, am triggered. <laughs> I was waiting for it. I'm triggered. Oh, no. We, we need to wrap up, but power no, play goals. that no. I'm triggered. Sh- what do we got? Power play Six goals minutes, five minutes? don't actually count as goals. Uh, I don't know if you no. know this. Gotcha. They oh, don't no. actually count. <laughs> but I will say, I believe that Wayne Simmons, while I, I realize what you're referencing here, Steph, I believe that... A lot of Braden Shen's goals were the um, creation of other players. Well, they haven't been. Well, let me guess. You guess uh, no. you're making an argument this year. No, he's a great it. player. No, he's he's clearly a great good. player. I, I swear to God, I am not doing no, this. I, I'm not doing this, I'm William. Not, that's not what I'm doing. I'm saying that Wayne Simmons, I believe, his specialized role, while it is he is a power play specialist, um, what he does out there makes the power play much, much better. Whereas you've seen multiple players before and after. Braden Shen be able to fill in and basically fill the same. I, I do agree that I think Simmons's Simmons's ability on the power play is more unique because he can just take a pounding and has soft yes. hands in front of the net. And there's there's as I said, Lee is probably the only other guy in the league who I think comes close to Simmons in that very specialized role. And since you don't have a guy on this roster who can just shoot the puck from anywhere and it goes in, I guess Ghost is the closest thing to that. Yep. Um, and, oh no, you know, are we going to get on the Flyers and the, the sniper thing? Oh, they again. absolutely need one. <laughs> they need one. They need one guy who can just shoot and score. But since you don't have that guy, Wayne Simmons becomes even more important because without his screens, without his deflections... Yeah, he ups everyone else's shot he, ra- he just raises the ability to score goals. Yeah. But again... If you're asking me to choose, I'm choosing Voracek, and it's not just because he's immovable, basically. You could move him. It's just it would just be harder. It would, it's, it's you har- wouldn't get value. It's harder to make a market. And granted, like this year has probably changed people's opinions. Like, yeah. okay, he's having a great year. He's not on the decline. Oh, yeah. One thing that I will note about Voracek, and this has always been fascinating to me about him, is that he's not – like Wayne Simmons is universally beloved mm-hmm. by hockey people from scouts to GMs. Jake Voracek has, there are a lot of people in hockey. It's not consensus. Like, I think the general consensus is Jake Voracek is a very good player. There's a vocal minority of people that think Jake Voracek is not that good. And, and it, it surprises me, but you hear scouts say it. Like, oh, he plays a perimeter game. He's soft. He could be so much better. He shoot, his shot isn't good. Like they, His shot is not good. They nit, I will give them they that. They nitpick the shit out of yeah. his game. And I think it's partially because he he's kind of unorthodox. Like, he does play a perimeter game. He just plays a very effective perimeter yeah, yeah, game. Yeah. And he needs someone to get to the front of net for him to pass to. But... You look at what he does, and he's unbelievably effective, but there are a lot of scouts that just do not, aesthetically, they just don't like his game. And 
when you're already cutting down on his market because he's got an eight million dollar cap hit, and then you add in the fact that some people in hockey just don't like Jake Voracek, you know, you might end up with a situation where you only have two or three teams that are let trying ask, to trade for him. Let me ask you something about these hockey people. Okay. Oh boy. Uh, no, um, Claude Giroux, mm-hmm. very similar, very similar game to Jake Voracek. Claude Giroux has the benefit of a Canadian background. It's a fair point. <laughs> Yeah, and, Jake and, and, Voracek, there's, there's there's absolutely Jake bias. Voracek, soft European. Yeah. Claude Giroux, oh, he's little, but he's scrappy. Like yeah. they do the same exact freaking thing. Claude one Giroux plays the left side, one plays the right side. Yeah, You're but Claude wrong. Giroux doesn't get the level of respect that he deserves. No, absolutely not. Either. But no one, I don't think anyone calls Claude Giroux soft. And to hear no. you say yeah. that about uh-huh. Jake Voracek. I think they idiot might. fans. Yes, the okay. people who are like, "Oh, he's not a captain. He's soft." Yes, the the shoot people. Absolutely, but <laughs> keep um, listening to the show. Shoot people, love you too. <laughs> Come drink with us on Saturday yeah. and tell Bill how much you hate him. Uh, we have two minutes, so yeah, plug the plug the party. But first, one last question. Why isn't Morgan Frost on Canada's World Junior Championship team? That's pretty unbelievable. If Internal politics. Top yeah. 10 in goals in the Ontario Hockey League, second in assists, third in overall points. Do they not like gingers? <laughs> I mean, I, I people just I don't, don't people just don't like us. I don't think Frost is ginger, though. Is he not ginger? No, no he's, Wade Allison like is like a ginger. Oh, I'm thinking of, okay. Wade Allison is I'm super, thinking super of ginger. all of the rest of our super prospects. Ginger. <laughs> yeah. no, this, this guy, he's the one with the braces. Oh, that's right. Yeah. He's the one with the braces. He's, he's, he's the one he's who looks like, with the braces. He looks like metal, he's 12. Like braces? Yeah. yeah. Like, like actual, on his teeth, yes. That's he's hilarious. a small child. I mean, he's going to make the team next year as long as he keeps this up. It's uh, just, I think what it comes down, not the Flyers, I mean the Canada. No, I was going to say, he's going to make the Flyers next year. Oh, you think he's going to make the Flyers. F the world, Junior. The thing with Team Canada is that it's so much like a like a, a line mm-hmm. and you have to you know basically for, for you to not get to certain camps and still make the team you have to like jump your place in line yeah. and they very much frown against if you that, weren't on the 16 that. team if you weren't on the 17 yeah. team if you weren't on the 18 team you're not going to be on the U20 from, from a talent standpoint he probably deserves yeah. to be there but it's just you know these 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 National teams are weird with how they make their choices. Driver. They don't just choose the best. They choose the best players. Party details. One more time. Uh, Xfinity Live, uh, Bullies Pub inside Xfinity Live, six o'clock on Saturday, the twenty third. We will all be there. Drink specials, and it's going to be fun. That is all the time we have for you on Broad Street Hockey Radio this week. Thank you so much for listening, and a very special happy birthday to Kelly Hinkle. Thanks, fam. Happy we will. Birthday. We won't have a new live episode next week because we are taking the week of Christmas off, but we will have some content of some sort. Yeah, I'll probably just be talking to myself on Facebook a couple times. So. Hot damn! There we go. <laughs> we'll do it. All right. Have a great week, everybody. Merry Christmas. Are you ready to talk about?
Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.